0: Uh, so glad that you guys are here this morning. Uh, if you're a guest here this morning, my name is Josh. Uh, so glad to have you here. Feel like you're at home, you're family now. Kick off your shoes and relax. Uh, as long as your feet don't stink. If they do, then the usher will let you know pretty quickly, and we'll we'll figure that out. But so glad that um, that you guys are here. We're going to be talking this morning uh, on a subject matter that we all deal with. On one level or another, um, we all experience some level of anxiety in our lives. Uh, You can be big and tough and say, this stuff happens in life, it don't bother me at all, it's baloney, it does bother you. Uh, We all face different pressures, we all feel the stuff that's going on in life. It impacts us all in different ways, but we all experience in one level or another different stages of anxiety, whether it's just the initial response to what's happening in life, or something that lingers along, and and Jesus gave us a heads up on what was going to happen in our lives. In John uh, chapter sixteen, um, he said, "Look, guys, I'm just going to tell you straight up. I've told you these things so that in me you can have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world." Jesus let us know right out of the just right out of the gate. You're going to have trouble in life. How many of y'all would say, that's pretty accurate, I've had some trouble through the course of my life? Yeah? Yeah? Probably about 100%. If you haven't, dude, I'm glad you got out of the bunker, and you were able to be here with us today, and whatever, the force field of whatever that was protecting you up until this point, I can just tell you, buckle up, you're going to face some trouble in your life. Guaranteed. What I really appreciate about appreciate about Jesus is that he didn't pull any punches on this. He just told us straight up, look, guys, this world is jacked up. It's messed up. There's going to be stuff that you have to deal with. There's stuff that you're going to have to process through. There's stuff that you're going to face. But don't worry about it. I want you to have your peace in me. I don't want you to freak out. And I want you to trust in the fact that I've overcome this world, and I've got your back while you're walking through this stuff. That's a promise that we have in him. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to deal with anxiety. I mean, just think about the world that we live in right now, guys. I mean, just think about it. Broad brushstroke. We got some crazy dude over in Korea that may or may not be threatening to push a button. I guess it depends on on which way his breakfast sits on him during the day. I'm going to blow the world up. Okay, uh, we'll deal with that. Um, The government just shut down. I know that's probably affecting a lot of you this morning. Um, it's just crazy. The, the government shut down, work, pressures. I mean, you, you watch the news, and it's like if you, if you watch, the news is almost enough to just get you stressed out. Yeah, I mean really, if you watch enough news, especially twenty four hour cable news, like if you sit there and watch those stories, I'll tell you what'll happen. If you expose yourself to enough of it, you're gonna be paranoid, you're gonna be negative, you're just gonna you're just gonna have a bitter outlook on life because the world is going to hell in a handbasket. That's the message that you get everywhere. Because bad stuff is happening all over the planet. So we all face anxiety in different ways, and like if that's not enough, we have Snow dropping and shutting down the school systems, trapping us with our children. And like we're good for a day with projects and things to do, but on day two, we check and it's like, oh no, school's canceled again. Well, I guess we got a few more movies we can watch um, play in the snow a little bit, but then on day three, when they cancel school, day three here in Douglas County, I was just like, "Oh Jesus, oh Lord Jesus!" Here we go, we got coming. Now, we had fun, but just different things can happen and pressurize your life in different ways, you know. You might have missed work because of the snow. You know, we had to, we got thrown a curveball on Wednesday night, and we got creative and did the, the Facebook Live service, and we, we had fun with that, but we still had to adjust to what was happening in the world around us. All that stuff creates pressure. And then on top of that, guys, we got kids eating Tide Pods now. Are you kidding me? What is going on with the world? Are you guys familiar with this? Oh, if you've got half an hour to kill, just hop online and just start searching Tide Pods, Tide Pod Challenges. Oh, my goodness, it, it gives you a lot of hope for the future of the world. Um, like when I, was, when I was growing up, we would do crazy stuff, but it would be crazy stuff like take off down the hill on your bike. And you're going to jump on like a piece of plywood laid up on a cinder block that was going to be a ramp. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You go as fast as you can and hit that ramp and jump over about three or four of your friends. And then land or maybe not land. And maybe you had three or four friends when you started. And you might have two or three when you're done, but you don't know. Uh, Where's Fred? He's at the ER. We tried to bike jump. It's going to be okay, though. He'll be out in about three weeks. We did crazy stuff like that, but come on. Eating detergent? I just, uh, I, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. As close as I ever got to that is when my mom washed my mouth out with soap for saying stuff I shouldn't have been saying. And, man, there's different degrees. Like, y'all saw that movie, The Christmas Story? When he's talking about different degrees of soap and stuff that you go through. Yeah, I can bear witness to that. There are different levels of soap, and I hate joy. (laughs) I hate joy, just detergent. I can tell you that right now. Got a bunch of that. (laughs) <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of stuff that we face in life and a lot of stuff that we've got to process. And I'm kind of having fun with you right now. But there, there are a lot of things that get thrown at us. Just think about the things that you've had to process this week alone. Think about the decisions that you've had to make based on things that happened in your life that you weren't expecting to happen this week. We all legitimately deal with pressure and a little bit of stress, and we all legitimately deal on some level with, with anxiety in our lives. You get a phone call and they tell you that they're going to let you go. They don't need you at work anymore. That's legitimate anxiety. You have to figure out what to do with that. You go home and, and your spouse tells you that, "Hey, this relationship isn't what I'm wanting it to be. I need out." That's legitimate anxiety, right? You're working your guts out. You put in 60 hours a week. You go home, and your kids have lost their freaking minds and have just become the rebellious tearheads that you hope you would never have to do. That's legitimate anxiety and stress and pressure that you have to deal with. If you've ever had to care for an elderly family member, that's legitimate pressure. That's legitimate extra stress on your life. If you've ever had to deal with the death of a loved one, that's legitimate. Amen? So there's stuff that we face that add pressure to our lives. And over the course of life, if you don't deal with that stuff properly, it'll mess you up. I got news for you guys. God did not intend for us to walk around carrying stress or hurt. He didn't design us to do that. We he didn't intend for us to do that at all. God never intended for us to carry that stuff. We were designed to run around naked eating fruit in the Garden of Eden. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Look at the person sitting next to you right now and just go, naked. See, some of y'all are laughing, y'all didn't do it. I'll give you another, come on, I'll give you a couple of seconds. Look at them. Naked. Naked. That's how we're supposed to be, running around naked, eating fruit. That would change the dynamic of our relationships completely, wouldn't it? (laughs) Stress-free. God never intended for us to carry stress. We were supposed to be in a garden, eating fruit, letting Him take care of us, walking with Him in the cool of the day. That's how this was supposed to work. We were never intended to carry a lot of the stuff that we carry because this world got really jacked up after we fell into sin and Adam and Eve made the decision they made in the garden of Eden now we got to go to work women pregnancy and childbearing all that takes on a whole new meaning now thank Eve and Adam for that you know I always joke around and I say if, if, if Adam actually made it to heaven which probably he did but if he's up there he's going to be like the one kid on the playground nobody wants to play with because all this junk that we're dealing with right now is like their fault. Not to say that if we would have been the next people created or born, we wouldn't have all jacked it up on our own. But yeah, there you go. So thanks a lot. So we're not made to deal with this stuff. We're not made to carry this stuff. And when the stress of life hits you, it's kind of like putting air in a balloon. Like you can only put so much in. Before you got to let some out. You following me? I was talking to a lot of therapists, um, which my my wife was really excited about that, um, (laughs) in preparation. I talked to a therapist um, in preparation for talking to you guys today. And just got some info on how the mind works and how we respond to stress and what it does to our bodies and and how anxiety can impact our daily lives and things like that. And Kelly was like, talk to him about his daddy issues. And not really, I don't have daddy issues. But... uh, (laughs) At least I don't think I do. Uh, But there's only so much of this stuff we can handle because we weren't designed to carry it. Are you following me? So when something happens in our lives, (laughs) our balloon fills up just a little bit. And we got a choice. We can either process it, deal with it, and release it, or we can hold on to it and bury it and carry it with us and then something else happens and the balloon gets a little more full and we're supposed to release this stuff whether talking to somebody or or preferably in the closet of prayer and we release this stuff and And that's pretty accurate to what it sounds like we sound kind of whiny when we're releasing this stuff in prayer it's like oh dear God you know we have a really hard week at work and then, that's how Brad, Pastor Brad, releases stress, just like that. All I it's gone. So we're supposed to let this stuff out. But a lot of us don't process and deal with this stuff the way that we should. And we hold on to it. And we let that balloon get full and full and full. And we hold this stuff in and walk around. And it begins to have an adverse re- uh, effect on us in our lives and it begins to play out, and, and it begins to manifest itself in our daily lives, in our relationships, and how we interact with other people, and yada, yada, yada. I want to go over some signs of anxiety with you. And I know you're not going to be thinking about yourself, but think about those crazy people that you hang out with, and see if they're manifesting some of these signs as if we go over them this morning. These are some legitimate signs of people who are holding on to anxiety and worry, and not properly dealing with it in their lives. Because we weren't designed to carry this stuff. The first one is constantly worrying. Constantly worrying. If you find yourself always worrying about how the bills are going to get paid, how the kids are going to be taken care of, how this is going to happen, whether or not we're getting sick, what's going to happen with this, what's going to happen with that, you're always worrying about things. That's the big one. Irrational fears it goes right along with it. Now you're not just worrying about what's happening. Like... I'm worried about what's going to happen in Atlanta traffic because these people can't drive at all. Can I get an amen somewhere in the house this morning? They just can't drive at all. So I'm, I'm worried about what's going to happen to me when I try to go to work because these nuts don't know how to drive, you know? Well, irrational fear hooks itself to worrying because now, because I'm so worried about what's going to happen to me on the way to work, I'm scared to get behind the wheel of a car and drive. It paralyzes you. That's just one example, and that's how it works. Muscle tension, if you ever felt tense consistently, especially in your neck, in your shoulders, the middle part of your back, that's all linked to stress. That's all a symptom of carrying anxiety. That all is. Um, How about this one? I know nobody's ever experienced a loss of sleep before because of things going on in your life. And I suppose it would be okay if something traumatic happened in your process and if you lost a night or two of sleep as you're dealing with it. But if it's been months and you haven't had a good night's sleep because you can't sleep at night because you're freaking out over the stuff that's going on in your life, that's a huge red flag that you're carrying a lot of stress and a lot of pressure a lot of worry, and a lot of anxiety that you shouldn't be carrying. It's a lot of stuff to, work to, to watch out for. You're overly self-conscious. You can never look good enough. You can never be pretty enough. You can never put on enough makeup. I have this problem. I can never put on enough makeup ever to make myself feel comfortable having fun with you a little bit. Sudden panic. Panic attacks. Big. I know a lot of people that deal with panic attacks. Um, there are different reasons for that we'll get into later, but that is the telltale sign of someone who's struggling with anxiety. Um, here's some more uh, flashbacks to traumatic events. You find yourself com- consistently going back to key moments in your life where something traumatic happened to you, whether it's PTSD, you served in the military, um, uh, an issue of abuse where you may have been married to somebody who abused you for a season, Um, You may have had an abusive upbringing, but if you find yourself consistently going back to that and not able to process it and deal with it, that's a telltale sign of someone who's struggling and wrestling with anxiety in their life. Uh, Compulsive behavior. You guys who think it's cool to be OCD, let me tell you, not really. Not really. Um, It's okay to want to have things in order. I get that. Like, I'm an order freak. I like to have things in, in some kind of order. God's a God of order, so that's cool. But when you freak out because all the cups in your cabinet aren't turned this way, that's a telltale sign of someone who's holding on to anxiety. Why? Because that's a way for you to control what's happening in life so that you don't feel like you're out of control. It's a telltale symptom of someone who's dealing with anxiety, a consistent headache. If you constantly are dealing with headaches... That is a major sign of someone who's carrying a lot of anxiety. Now, that's not the only reason why you have it. There's a lot of medical reasons why. But one of the major ones um, is anxiety. And then you find yourself just disconnected from life. You just shut down. And especially if you're going through a period of time where, like, you, you, you carry a lot of stuff and then something happens that you weren't expecting and you just shut down. Like, you just disconnect. Your strategy for dealing with it is to get away. Your strategy for dealing with the difficult people is just to shut it down and walk away. You, you just become disconnected to them. You become disconnected to your family, to your kids, to your friends. You just shut down completely. That's anxiety because you don't know how to process what's happening to you. And so your solution is just to shut everything down so you don't have to deal with it. These are telltale signs of people who are suffering or dealing with anxiety in their life. And we got to let this stuff out, though, because if we don't, it begins to affect our bodies. Okay, and it affects our relationships. It affects everything. Um, effects of anxiety. is just, Look, it you divides your mind. Stephanie talked about that in the video, how it, she just didn't have her mind in certain periods of time where the anxiety was real strong. You feel real divided. You're un, you can't focus on anything. When you sit down and try to focus on a task, you think about six other things that need to be handled, and it robs you of your ability to be present and in the moment. You ever experience that in life? It affects you. It affects you. It affects your personal relationships because now if you're isolated and and you're stressed out because of what's happening in your life, it begins to affect your marriage. You can't have a strong relationship with people if you're constantly locking them out because of something that happened in your life in the past and you're not letting them in. That's the effect of anxiety. it, It messes up your relationships. Hypertension hypertension, now, there's a difference between being stressed and dealing with hypertension hypertension is like stress times a hundred like stress to the point of like no peace at all a little bit of shaking, constantly stressed, muscle tension, you're just stressed to the point of exhaustion hypertension um, cardiovascular disease people have heart attacks and die because of the effects of stress on their body these isn't stuff that I made up. These are medical facts. You can hop on Google and learn all you want to. It's right there. Cardiovascular disease, big, big, big effect of anxiety in our lives. Did you know that 90% of headaches are stress and anxiety related? 90% of them. Anxiety causes ulcers all stress-related, because we weren't designed to carry this stuff, and it affects our body in adverse ways. It's going to find a way out. Either we release it, or it's going to manifest in our body in some way and take its toll. Stress is going to work its way around to getting noticed sooner or later, and you're going to have to deal with it. Whether it's it's on your own terms or in a doctor's office, you're going to deal with it one way or the other. Um, It affects the immune system and opens the door to other illnesses, like clockwork. If you're stressed out, it suppresses your immune system and you're going to get sick more often. Did you know that the number, one, uh, the number one reason for illness is stress and anxiety? And the number one prescribed medications are for stress and anxiety. We weren't designed to carry this stuff. that messes with you. And so we walk around. And instead of releasing, it builds up a little bit more. Because we were all taught to be tough and just deal with life. Suck it up, princess. Let's just make it happen. And we get... All filled up with stress, all filled up with anxiety, all filled up with the stuff that's happened in our lives. We walk around full, and then that one thing happens that we weren't expecting, and you know what happens? (laughs) Boom. We blow. We blow. Emotionally, we blow. Boom. Relationally, it explodes. It's going to work its way out sooner or later either on our terms, well, that didn't work out at all, either on our terms or it's going to work out on its own terms because we don't know how to process it and we don't know how to deal with it. Now, I want to ask you before we go any further, because I, I know there's a whole lot of life story in this room, okay? I know there's a whole lot of stuff that we've dealt with that we've had to process, we've had to work our way through. Okay. I know that we all were not born into this world speaking in tongues, glowing in the dark with no issues of life at all and that's how we've lived our whole life we've been through some stuff, amen alright um, how's this working out for you right now how are you processing and working your way through the stress and anxiety that you're facing in your life How's it working out for you? Do you feel like you consistently walk in the peace of God? That you don't feel a lot of pressure? You don't feel a lot of worry? Or if you were honest and you were just looking at your life, would you say that you're consistently dealing with pressure? You're consistently feeling stress? And you see it looking back on your life, a pattern where you hold it in, you hold it in, hold it in. You might let a little bit out here or there. But for the most part, you hold it in, and then you just explode. You just pop. You just break. That's where a lot of people live their lives. A lot of people live their lives right there. You don't have to. You don't have to, but a lot of people do. Um, There are two sides to the cross. All right, two sides to the cross, And sometimes I don't think people understand this. Two sides to the cross. So you got the cross right here, all right? On this side of the cross, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All right? You are, you're still in sin, no forgiveness of sin. You're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What Jesus represents to you at this point is forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness of your sins and the opportunity to become a new creation in Him. Now, over here on this side of the cross, is completely different. On this side of the cross, you're saved. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, okay? But you begin the process of what's called spiritual growth, all right? Over there, it's just about getting saved. Over here, it's about becoming more like Jesus and more like the person He created you to be. When you're saved, well, we're, we're a tripart being. Listen, we have uh, we have a soul, it's our mind, our will, and our emotions. We've got our body, and then we've got our spirit. Before you're saved, before you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, spiritually you're dead. That part of you is dead. All right, scripturally, that's what it says. We were dead in sin. Our spirits were dead before Jesus came in and breathed life on us. But we did operate in our body, and we did operate with our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. All of that stuff that happened in our lives before salvation didn't magically go away after salvation. Okay? So, the emotional attachments, the emotional damage, the trauma... Our tendencies, our habits, the patterns that we have established in our lives, those things carry over, and we begin a process that's known as sanctification. We begin a process that's known as perfecting holiness towards the image of God. We become more like him and less like the person that we used to be. That's how we grow through our relationship with Jesus. Y'all with me so far? I don't want to get so deep with this that we drowned as a group, but I want you to understand what's happening with yourself because I don't want you to feel like you're so jacked up that God can't do something in your life. All right? Now, in the South, when we get over here on this side of the cross, we learn real quick that if we are at least presenting the image of perfection, then we are pre- presenting an image of something that's closer to God. Like, me, for me to be perfect is for me to be godly. All right? But there's no way any of us are going to be perfect, probably, right? We've got issues. We've got stuff we're dealing with. And this is where we get in trouble because we come into church a lot of times and we know how to dress right. We know how to say the right things. We know how to put on the right front because it's an unspoken thing that we all come to church. It's a place that we gather, but we don't talk about the junk that we're dealing with in our lives because if we did that, then we wouldn't be perfect in everyone's eyes. And if we're not perfect in everyone's eyes, then we're not reflecting the image of God. how yeah, we sock ourselves out a little bit. In the South, that's how this works. Probably in other areas, too. Jesus never intended for us to operate that way in our relationship with him. Jesus said, come as you are. Right? Come to me with your problems. Come to me with your burdens. Come with me with your frustrations. Whatever it is, come to me. We'll figure it out, and I'll help you get to where you need to be. But we've got to be honest about where we are in our lives. So, we get really good at covering things up. We don't talk about the problems in our marriage. We don't talk about the financial pressure that we're going through. We don't talk about how we are in a season of life where we're just completely freaking out and we want to put a gun to our mouth. But if we said that, then everybody's going to look at us differently. And we're not going to have that level of perfection that we're used to presenting to everybody that comes to church. I hate to bust a little church bubble this morning. But everybody take a deep breath. You feel a little bit more freedom. This is the game we play. We don't talk about stuff like that. I talk to my pastor friends, and you know, the, the big three issues usually in church, like if you if you talk about uh, if you talk about sex, people are gonna get uncomfortable. Even though God created it, it's legal in marriage, and it's all good. Married people say, Amen. It's all good. It's good. Uh, whatever you do, do it with all your strength and might as unto the Lord. That's what I'm saying. Sex is good. But y'all just got uncomfortable with me talking about it right then, didn't you, probably? Some of you did. You can't talk about sex, all right? If you talk about money, people are going to freak out. Because we don't talk about money, especially in the South. It's taboo. We don't talk about it. Why? Whatever reason. People doing stupid stuff with money in churches, probably some of that, um, Me personally, I think it exposes the lordship issue in people's lives, so we don't like to talk about it because it just shows the truth about our priorities. So we don't talk about it. So we don't talk about sex, we don't talk about money, and we sure as heck don't talk about how we feel overwhelmed with different issues and areas of our lives. Because we all got going good. How you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing good. How you doing this morning? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You just had a knockdown, drag-out fight with your spouse on the way to work. Y'all almost got divorced in the parking lot. You almost cussed out a greeter because they reminded you of your grandmother. You walked in here and, oh, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. We don't talk about this stuff. But you know what's funny is people get upset when, when, when preachers talk about it from the pulpit. But you know when I get phone calls and I get text messages... And people hit me up on Facebook Messenger, or if I see somebody in public, or somebody catches me after service. You know, cause I just love hanging out and talking with people and finding out what's going on in their lives. But you know what people always come up to me and want to talk to me about and ask for prayer and advice and counsel for? It's always about sex in one way or another. Whether they're dealing with it before marriage and they're trying to figure out how to keep their clothes on. Or they're trying to figure out how to get their clothes off in marriage, you know, because for some reason there's like the game shifts a little bit after marriage. It's like before you get married, it's like happy hour, it's naked all the time. You get married, the factory shuts down, and we don't do that anymore. I don't get it, man. I just, um, but they want to talk about sex. People are always wanting to talk about money and get advice figure out what the Bible says, figure out what to do, figure out how to make decisions. And people always want to talk about how they're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out in some area of their lives. Now, I want to ask you a question as a pastor. Um, You don't have to give me an answer, but let me ask you a question. Why is it okay for us to have conversations about it one-on-one and it not be okay for us to talk about it in a setting like this? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But we're pre-programmed to think that way, I think. Two sides to the cross, and we think we're supposed to be perfect. I'm here to tell you, listen, if you are dealing with stuff in your life and you feel overwhelmed and you feel pressured and you feel stressed out, listen, it doesn't mean that you're sinning. It means you're dealing with life. Okay, I'm going to say it again. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're sinning. It means that you're dealing with life. We all deal with life. Now, how we deal with it, though, either helps us be productive in our walk with God or it can cripple us in life and cause a bunch of problems. Now, that's what we're going to talk about um, for the rest of our time here this morning. Did you know that there are people in the Bible that dealt with anxiety and stress and actually didn't really respond too well with it in Scripture? Uh, The first one would be Moses. Uh, In the book of Numbers, (laughs) let me read, y'all read this with me and then check this out. This is Moses talking to God. He says, I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden's too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please just go ahead and kill me. You ever said that before? Oh, dear God, if this is all there is to it, just take me now, Lord. You know, if I found favor in your eyes and don't let me, uh, don't let my face, oh, don't let me face my own ruin. Moses was freaking out. He was experiencing a little bit of anxiety. Now, if he was a perfect church person, he probably would have said, Oh, Lord, full of grace and mercy, thank you that even though I'm going through this, you give me the strength to stand in the storm. Now, that would be the ideal way to respond, okay? But when you're not expecting it and you get hit with something on Tuesday afternoon, my, we, Oh, God, if this is how it's going to be, just go ahead and kill me now. You know. You, people respond that way sometimes uh, another guy that that freaked out and and dealt with anxiety in scripture is Elijah. Elijah just slaughtered all the priests on Mount Carmel, just had this big showdown. God dropped a fireball from heaven, lit up the altar, burned up the water, burn up the dirt, all this stuff he was I mean if I was Elijah and I just watched God do all that stuff, I might have been strutting around a little bit, like yeah. God just dropped a bomb in this place. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then he just killed all the priests of like Elijah just straight up gangster killed them. That's Old Testament right there. He just killed them. And then this little lady named Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And he freaked out. Look at what happened to Elijah in 1 Kings. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He just took off running. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. Look at that. He he left his servant there. So now, socially, he's isolating himself in response to a stress trigger in his life. He freaked out. He's running from the issue, and now he's leaving his servant. And then he goes another day journey into the wilderness. He comes to a broom brush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. That is like classic pattern of somebody who's just pop, popping from anxiety. Freaked out, ran from the issue, isolated himself, and then took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> just took a nap. I'm done. I'm just, uh, just. We feel like we check out. Then our problems go away. But do they go away when we check out? Nah. no. Nah. And I know some of you Bible scholars will say, well, that's all Old Testament. That's before we had the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was way different back then. How about Paul? How about Paul? Paul, who, like next to Jesus Christ himself and maybe John the Baptist, when I think of just badge on the chest, super Christian, Paul. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul, who teaches us about faith, who teaches us about overcoming issues, who, Paul, who, who, who went through all these struggles and still came out on the other side, Paul dealt with anxiety, too. Check this out. This is Paul in 2 Corinthians. He said, we did not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under, look at this, great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. What does that sound like to you? Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, he fixes it at the end, but he said our response in the beginning was tremendous pressure, big time trouble. We were overwhelmed with it. We weren't able to endure it, and we felt like, we were looking at death itself. That looks like some, that sounds a lot like somebody who's dealing with anxiety. What do you guys think? These guys dealt with it. Um, it helps us to deal with anxiety better. If we know where it's coming from in our life. Because anxiety is just like a blanket statement. It can mean anything from stress to I'm scared to death to leave my house. Completely different levels. Completely different causes of anxiety in our lives. Um, A lot of different reasons for it. But I want to um, go over three of them so that we can understand anxiety just a little bit better. The first one is this. is just life itself. And we kind of talked about that a little bit this morning. Just life. Life throws enough at us that if we don't properly deal with it and process it, if we let it build up, it can create a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety in our lives. It really can. Did you know that mental genetics comes into play with anxiety in your life? I was talking to to a therapist, and they were explaining this to me, that mentally you inherit traits from your parents and from different sides of the family. That's why usually if you see somebody who is seriously dealing with anxiety in their life and worry in their life almost to a paralyzing point, you can usually immediately point back to a mom or a dad or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, someone uh, really close in the family tree that's (laughs) dealt with it too. It can be passed down genetically. That sounds like hogwash, Pastor. No, it really can be passed down genetically. Think about this: we don't we don't challenge the fact that if you've got a, a mom that's short and a dad that's short, what do you think the kids are probably going to be? They're going to be short. Case in point: my kids. My kids are doomed. My kids are never going. to... They're just you just. Mm-mm and like daddy do you think i'm gonna get really big and i'm like hmm you're gonna get just as big as god wants you to be sweetheart this is like you don't have a chance girl (laughs) because kelly and i are just not packing the tall dna this is not happening so we don't think about that we don't think about um skin tone if if look if you're black and your wife is black and you have a kid she's probably not going to be pasty white See, I just freaked out because that sounded a little racial, but that's just the truth, isn't it? Dark skin and dark skin isn't going to produce pasty white most of the time because it's a genetic thing that's passed on. All right, mentally, we inherit genetic traits from our family. This is why some people, this is why why you can get as close to God as you want to get, but sometimes mentally, the trait is there. For you to be susceptible to stress and anxiety, and be more vulnerable than the next person in line. Now that doesn't mean it has to dominate your life, okay? Doesn't mean it has to dominate your life, because stress ultimately is a decision. It is a decision we can't control it. But there's a lot of other factors that come into play though. But if you if you are you finding yourself constantly stressed out and constantly worrying, and you can't put point back to a traumatic something that happened in your life to set you on that road, it could be that that's existing in your family, and I bet if you look back a little bit, you'll see it usually, bet if you look back, you'll see it It's like anger issues, usually it's passed down um you just what these these traits are usually passed down. The third one is mental and emotional trauma that's legit, okay now you hear. Preachers and, and guys like me say stress is a decision. Stress is a decision. You can choose how you respond to things. But when you have a traumatic event in your life, all right, that's something you got to process through. That's something that probably you're not going to feel 100% better about the next day. There has to be healing that takes place in that. Like You would never look at someone who had been in a, a head-on collision paralyzed and in a wheelchair and say, what's wrong with you? Why don't you get up out of that chair? Because they've had a traumatic event that affected their body and they're processing through. And they may or may not heal completely from it, but it's a traumatic event that they're going through. All right? Now, why would we look at someone who mentally and emotionally has been through a traumatic event and talk to them? and expect them to get up out of a wheelchair mentally like that when they've been crippled because of something that's happened in their life. You hearing what I'm saying? Uh, it, It sounds good. It makes great preaching. But it doesn't work really well in real life because people have got to heal from traumatic events. Now, God is a God that heals. And God can heal emotional pain. God can heal emotional hurt. God can heal... A traumatic emotional event in your life, okay? But sometimes healing takes a little bit of time. Amen? Amen. All right, you can trust him in healing. Sometimes God heals like that, and sometimes healing is a process. You look at a a wife who has trouble being intimate with her husband, and you're looking across the table and you're counseling them, and I just I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. It's difficult for me. I love him. I want to be with him. But when when it comes to that, in that moment right there, it just it becomes incredibly awkward. And I just I shut down and I don't want anything to do with it. Now the guy's frustrated because uh, that creates a whole lot of a whole lot of problems in a marriage. Um and you can look at her and say, Hey, the Bible says you don't have a right over your body. You're supposed to give yourself to your husband whenever he wants, and the husband's supposed to give himself over to the wife whenever she wants. And you can play that Bible card, but tell that to the woman that was raped repeatedly by a family member when she was 13 and 14 years old and is now still dealing with psychological trauma from it. So when she tries to be intimate with her husband, she flashes back to that moment and shuts down. Good luck with that. Because the is real. And this is where a lot of people live their lives. They get hurt really bad, and they're never really ever able to recover from it. And a lot of it has to do with what we do in church when they get on this side of the cross, and we just tell them, Jesus is this, and Jesus, and he is, and Jesus can do all the things that we say that he can do, but we don't allow them the opportunity to be vulnerable and process through the junk that they brought over before salvation. Make sense? Are y'all still with me? Um, traumatic stuff can impact you powerfully, guys. Powerfully. We, I, I experienced this traumatic event in, in my life, uh, Kelly, and my life. You know, this isn't the first time I've told you this. You know, we lost a child uh, a while back, and um, and it, it affected me. Um, and ultimately, I think knowing what I know now, it's probably uh, has a lot to do with my response to the situation. Um, We lost a child. That's devastating to a family. Mm -hmm. It's devastating, all right? It's it's devastating. Um, And I shut down. And I justified shutting down so that I could be there for my wife, who was devastated and began to process through that. So I'm there for Kelly to, to have a shoulder to cry on, to talk things through. Um, I'm there you know to take care of her on the on the back end while she's healing and, and recovering and and all of that um, from the miscarriage and in taking care of her I let all that stuff sit inside of me all of that hurt all of that frustration all of that confusion and i didn't deal with it like I should have all right is it okay if a pastor just talks to you for a little bit all right, I buried that stuff in, and that balloon got pretty tight in my life um, to the point where I just started freaking out for no reason. And I began to worry constantly about the safety of my family. And I would, I would, um, I would call during the day and just check on, oh, hey, Co, what's going on? Oh, nothing, just this and this. All right, cool. All right, just want to see how things were going. I'll let you go. But I didn't tell her that I'd been freaking out for the last five minutes thinking my family was dead and there was nothing I could do about it. And I've been standing in a corner of a house almost in tears, just just completely freaking out in the middle of a panic attack because I had all that stuff built up inside of me. I wasn't letting out. Traumatic event that I didn't process through properly. It was affecting my life. Um, Anytime Hannah would go somewhere, no peace at all. What's happening to my daughter? I'd wake up in the middle of the night and think that somebody broke into the house and swiped my kids and killed my wife, and I had to look over. There's my wife. Now i to got to get up and go down the hall and check on my kid. It was messing with me. It was affecting me. I was losing sleep over it, lost peace over it. I was like, dear Lord, I, I love you. I'm, I, at least I think I'm trusting you with this, but I hadn't gone through the proper process of releasing all of it to God and allowing Him to deflate that balloon in my life and allow Him time to heal my heart properly from that event in my life. Now, you might be here this morning, and it might not be a, uh, a loss of a child, but you can look back and there might be a trauma. Maybe you're here this morning and you were raped. Maybe you're here this morning and you were beat. Maybe you're here this morning and and you were cheated on. You look at, I, I don't know how many times I see trouble in, in marriages because one of the two spouses absolutely does not trust the other spouse in almost any situation because they were cheated on by someone either in high school or in a first or second or third marriage or whatever the story is. But one event that isn't properly processed and dealt with, a traumatic event, carries over, and it affects the relationship in their lives. Traumatic events can powerfully impact how we process and deal with life and stress and anxiety. Maybe you're here this morning, and and that's part of what's going on in your life. And I don't want you to feel like that's never going to heal because it can. But I will tell you honestly, it might not heal like that. Okay? Okay? Now, can God heal it like that? Absolutely, but it might not heal like that. It could be a process of time. The big thing when dealing with anxiety um, is is all in the approach. When When you're dealing with anxiety, the approach can't be, how do I escape from it? The approach has got to be, how do I walk through it? Kay? Because usually when anxiety and stress and all that hits our lives, what we like to do, we'll either bury it and not deal with it, or we'll run from it and not deal with it. And we'll turn to a pill, we'll turn to a bottle, or we'll turn to marijuana, we'll turn to pot, good old Mary Jane, whatever, whatever we need to relieve the stress. Or we'll go through a period of time of stress where we feel like we need to just take a vacation, get away from work. I need to get away from my life. I don't know how many times I hear people say, I just need to get out of this stinking state to get away from my life. Go out of the state, your problems are still going to be there. But that, that wanting to avoid isn't going to get it done. Sooner or later, you're going to have to put on the brakes and begin to process through these things in your life and not run from them. Okay. Sooner or later, you're going to have to allow God access to these areas of your life instead of trying to cover them up and hide them. You're going to have to open up the door. Otherwise, you're going to be 75 years old, still stressed out, still upset about what happened to you when you were 20. Whether it was legitimate or not, do you really want to spend the rest of your life stuck, tied to an event that happened to you when you were 15? Or 30? You're never going to get past that until you look it square in the eyes and begin to process through it one step at a time. So the approach can't be how do I avoid it? How do I escape from it? We have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. That's the only way to do it. One step at a time. One day at a time. One surrender at a time. Trust in God. And you can deal with it. Amen? Amen. So I want to give you a few things real fast just before we close. Is this good so far? Yeah. Is this speaking to us so far? Um. It's it's so funny when you talk about anxiety because when you talk to people who deal with anxiety, one of the biggest issues with anxiety is they want to try to avoid it because you you can't look at someone and say, hey, is this message on anxiety hitting home with you? Because the first thing we want to do is say, no, uh, because I don't have anxiety. Why don't you talk to that person over there? I'm just going to dodge the question. Um, Hopefully that's not you this morning. But in dealing with anxiety, some things that will help you is this, depending on whether it's something that's just happened in life or a genetic thing or because of a traumatic event in your life, use wisdom by avoiding triggers. That's the first thing. Use some wisdom by avoiding triggers in your life. What's a trigger in your life? Well, I'll just give you a different example. Like, say I'm a guy, which I am. Let's say I'm, I'm a guy, and like with, with most guys, they would say at some point in their life or season, they, they deal with lust because we're just sexually driven creatures. That's the way God... Made us. Some of y'all just freaked out again because I said sex in church. It's okay, we'll get over it. Especially through the month of February when we're talking about relationships and marriage. We're going to say sex about 5,000 times and it's going to be awesome. So we're going to get over that as a church. But um, avoid the triggers. If I'm, if I'm dealing with something like that, I'm going to avoid triggers that are going to send me down that road. You're not going to see me watching movies then that are full of naked people having sex. not going to watch it. Because that's going to send me down a road I don't need to go on. Um, you're probably not going to see me going to strip clubs if I'm trying to avoid that. That would be a big trigger that I need to avoid. Um, you're probably not going to see me going to uh, a lot of beaches or public beaches because, dang, people just almost get naked at beaches all the time, you know, and if I'm dealing with that, I don't want to see half-naked people. Now, some naked people would probably cure that in an instant. I get that. I get that. But then there's some half-naked people, you know, it, it causes a problem. So. And, and I don't want to have to focus on this naked person to not have to think about that naked person because some things you just can't unsee. You know what I mean? So, so I would be careful about the things that I expose myself to. Same thing when you're dealing with anxiety and you're dealing with stress. There are things that you can do to avoid the triggers that will send you down a road you don't need to go on. Um, planning things out helps a lot <laughs> because if you plan things out, then you're not falling behind and you don't feel pressured and overwhelmed. That can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But avoiding those triggers, the, thing, the, 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 the conversations, uh, the arguments in your marriage... that that sends you over the the edge and causes this big blown-out fight. You can avoid that and avoid that anxiety and that stress coming back up if you avoid the triggers that lead to that event. Um, If you feel the conversation starting to get a little heavy, take a break, walk away. You can pray, come back, and finish the conversation if you want to because you know once you hit this point with a person, it could go this way really quick. Sometimes it's better to put on the brakes, pull it back, Protect yourself and operate with wisdom. Same way with anxiety. Same thing. Um, Don't carry what you shouldn't carry. This is the next thing I would tell you. Don't carry what you shouldn't carry. We were not designed to carry stress. God didn't build us to carry it. We were not designed to carry worry. We were not designed to walk around full of anxiety in our lives. We just can't handle it. You'll have all kinds of issues, health issues, all the stuff that we just talked about. So don't carry What you're not supposed to carry. Now, 1 Peter 5 7 is a great verse to start this conversation. It says, Cast all your, look at that word, anxiety on him because he cares for you. Most therapists that you talk to will tell you, you've got to find a way to get this stuff out. You've got to find a way to get that stress out. An outlet. They'll tell you, go work out. They'll tell you, um, they'll they'll tell you um, to, Give, this is a, like a legit exercise therapist will tell you to do, is to take all of that stress, that negative energy in your life, and give it up to a higher power. Whatever that higher power is for you, because they got to be real PC when they talk. Whatever, whoever that higher power is, just give it up to them. Therapists are telling you to do that. It's part of the treatment. And what does that look like? Um, Paul, the guy that we talked about earlier who was freaking out and dealing with a lot of anxiety gave us a great plan in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 Don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God the God of peace which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Now leave that verse up there for just a second. Guys, don't take it off. He gives you a great plan, a practical plan for dealing with stress and anxiety in your life right here spiritually, okay? Now, I know that there's genetic stuff that sometimes we have to deal with, and I know that there are traumatic events that we have to deal with sometimes in life too. We'll get to how to help with some of that here in just a second. But this right here, this plan that Paul gives us in Scripture, for most of us, this is going to knock out about 95% of the stress and the anxiety and the worry that we deal with at night and deal with in our lives. It's got us on pills, got us looking for outs, it's got us looking for whatever to escape from it. This right here is a way to do it because we're carrying around stuff we were never made to carry. Don't be anxious about anything but everything by prayer. Prayer. That means I'm going to take what's going on in my life and I'm going to have a conversation with God. And I'm going to say, God, <laughs> my life's crazy right now. now. Oh, gracious Father, I thank you for this wonderful day. Oh, how great thou art, oh, beautiful and benevolent creator of all the universe. How some people talk to God. God doesn't want you to talk to him like that. He wants you to say, Father, I, I know you want me to love people, but if my boss does this one more time, I'm probably going to go to jail because I'm going to punch him in the throat and he's going to die. Can you help me please process through this, Father? Show me. And this is, this is how you would talk to a friend, right? This is how God wants you to talk to him. Talk to him about the stuff that's bothering you. Talk to him about, listen, you can talk to him about the rape. You can talk to him about the beating. You can talk to him about the wicked. You can talk to him about your kid that's lost their daggum mind and you're trying to figure out how to keep them from going to jail or going to hell, one of the two. You can talk to him about that. And in the process of talking to him and releasing that to him, there's this word right here, but everything in prayer and supplication. Some translations say petition. uh, And the wordplay looks like he's talking about two completely different things, but what he's talking about here is Things to complement your time with prayer. Things to supplement in with that time the prayer that you're having with Him. What does that mean? Well, I tell you what, um, fasting falls into that. Worship falls into that. So when you're going through a stressful time, you can fast for the resolution. That can help. Hang out and talk to God and give Him what's going on in you and spend some time in worship. I've yet to spend time in the presence of God where I felt pressure from the outside world. Something about the presence of God that brings peace and restoration and healing on a level that we can't get anywhere else. This is what Paul is saying. When you're freaking out, go to God, get in His presence, get in His word, and let your requests be made known to God. Tell Him what's going on. Get in His presence and let Him know what's going on. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You ever see those people you know pray a lot and they're just in tune with God and it seems like no matter what life throws at them, it just doesn't stick. It's just like they're Teflon walking around and nothing from the world just sticks to them at all. (coughs) They're operating in a peace that just doesn't make sense. I've seen people respond to situations and circumstances in their lives in ways that just absolutely make no sense at all. You just lost your job. You're probably going to lose your home. And you're not freaking out? No. Because I was able to get to a place with God where I have peace now. And you're walking in a peace that physically doesn't make sense, but spiritually it's constant and it's there. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay, you can hit this in your walk with God. And what's cool is if we follow this process, the peace of God surpasses all understanding. It says it will guard our hearts and our minds. That if we give it to God and we let that balloon deflate We release it all, and we're in His presence consistently. Now, this is a deal. You can't get to the place where your life is about to explode and then dive into the presence of God and try to decompress once every six months and experience success in this in your life. This is regular maintenance for you, okay? This is regular maintenance. This has got to happen constantly in your life or that balloon's going to fill up. Regular maintenance on a car saves you money over the long haul, Right? You don't have to have expensive mechanical breakdowns. Same thing with yourself spiritually and emotionally. This was meant to happen on an ongoing, consistent basis. So if we're constantly in his presence, constantly releasing that stuff, that word guard right there is a military term. That means literally guns, swords, tanks, defenses to protect our heart and to protect our mind if we will shroud ourselves in the presence of God and release that stuff to him on a consistent basis. Make sense? This is what Paul gives. Now, does that really make sense? So, yes. what Paul gives us. So there's practical things we can do. There are spiritual things we can do, too. And listen, though. Even in doing this, all right? There are still some circumstances where we are going to need to get help if we need help. So if you need help, get help. If I fall down and I break my arm getting off of this stage today, I slip, bam. Y'all laugh because I fell. Broke my arm, because that's what you do, right? Somebody falls, you gotta laugh. And then you laugh first, and then are you okay? You gotta do that. So if I break my arm, and let's say everybody comes around and we pray for Pastor Josh's arm, because he just broke it. Alright? And God chooses not to heal my arm. Now Does it mean that I don't love Jesus if I go to a hospital to get my arm looked at? Absolutely not. You know what that means? That means Josh is smart. If I walked around and my arm's just flopping everywhere, Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm believing God healed my arm. Okay. That's weird. You know, floppy arm Josh. Everybody come from miles around to see the pastor with a floppy arm. That'd be awesome. Maybe that's what we'll do. I can do church growth clinics everywhere. All you got to do is break your arm. Snap it good, then don't go to the hospital and just let it flap around. People show up all the time just to see what's going on. It'd be great. So if I decide not to do that, I'm an idiot, right? Flappy arm guy, you're, you're not operating with wisdom. You had an injury, you gotta go get it looked at. You gotta get the bones set so that the process of healing can take place. Sometimes it's okay to go to a therapist so that they can set the bone mentally. You get me? Sometimes it's okay to go get checked out so that they can get the process of healing started because avoiding it is not going to accomplish anything. All right, You've got to process through this. If that means going, um, if that means practically putting up safeguards to protect yourself from pressure, that's what you do. If that means that you can look at your life and say, you know what? I'm jacking things up spiritually. I'm causing my own problems. I need to get this I need to decompress that balloon and give it to God like I need to consistently. Then we can fix that. Sometimes, though, you need to get help if you need help. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to say it again. All right. It's okay to get a prescription for anxiety if you need to get a prescription for anxiety to start the healing process. All right. Now, you may have had such a traumatic event in your life that's altered your brain in such a way that you may have to take anxiety medication for the rest of your life if God chooses not to heal you, because He always can. Amen? Mm -hmm. He always can. But look, if that damage is there, sometimes it takes time for a wound to heal. Sometimes it takes time for a wound to heal. Now, we think about that with bones. We think about that with cuts. We don't give a second thought to it mentally. No pun intended. (laughs) We think about it mentally. Sometimes, you got to have it. You don't look at a diabetic and say they don't have faith because they take insulin. Do you? Do you? We get worried about this stuff in church, you know. Um, You look at somebody who... um, who had a a heart attack and now the doctor's got them on blood thinners, you don't say that they don't have faith because they're not trusting God? Do you? Why do we get weird when people have legitimate mental trauma and have to take medications to normalize chemical imbalances so that they can function the way that they need to to begin the process of healing? I never understood that about people. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because it's something that we can't see and we think it's something that somebody's made up. And some people, look, some people do throw down the card and they say they're stressed out when they're not stressed out. You're not stressed out. You're just lazy. Get your butt up and go get a job. I get that. Um, But then there's some people that legitimately deal with this stuff. And if you're here this morning and that's you, I want you to know you're in the right place. All right? I want you to know you're in the right place. And I want you to know this scripturally. Listen now. You're not a weirdo. Alright? Scripturally, you're not the oddball out. Alright? You've had something that's happened to you. And you're having to process through it. And in a lot of ways, you taking that medication makes you more normal and more real than all the fakers that put on the pretty face that are scared to deal with the issues in their lives. All right? I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for being somebody that I'm not. All right? So whatever the deal is, embrace it, own it, don't avoid it, and begin the process of change. God can heal you. God can restore you. You don't have to be stressed out. You don't have to be eaten up with worry. You don't have to be overcome with anxiety. Amen? Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet.